Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a plot against the Jews as we pick up in Esther chapter 3, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. After these things, the king Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And the king's servants that were with the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Then the king's servant which were in the king's gate said unto Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spoke daily to him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matter would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And so when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then Haman was full of wrath, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had shown him the people of Mordecai, and he sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, even the people of Mordecai. So in the first month, that is the month of Nisan, or April, in the twelfth year of the king Ahasuerus, they cast pur. Now pur is a lot. And so they cast lots before Haman from day to day and from month to month to the twelfth month, and that is the month of Adar. In other words, he was wanting to set a day for the extermination of the Jews. And this was in the first month, and they began to cast month by month the lot to see what month they should exterminate them, sort of following a superstition. And and the lot fell on the 12th month, which would be the month of March, because they started with the month of April. So it brought them around to the month of March that the lot finally fell Uh, on that month, the month for the extermination of the Jews. Now, before we go any further, I want to point out something that to me is fascinating. This fellow Haman, notice it says of him that he was an Agagite. Now, Agag was of the nation of Amaleks. And the Amaleks, or the Amalekites, were always a type of the flesh in the Old Testament. Now you remember when Samuel came to King Saul, he said, God wants you to go out, go down and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all of these people. Don't leave anyone alive of the women, of the children, or don't take any prey or or any loot, not even their cattle, their sheep. Don't take anything. Utterly destroy everything. And so Saul went down against 
the Amalekites, and God gave to him a victory over the Amalekites. However, he did not obey the voice of the Lord. But he saved alive the best cattle, the best sheep, and also he saved alive Agag, the king, and no doubt others of the king's family. So as Saul was coming back from the battle, Samuel went out to meet him. And Saul greeted Samuel, saying, As the Lord liveth, I have done all that God has told me to do. And the prophet Samuel said, If you did all that God told you to do, how come I hear the cattle? And how come I hear the sheep? He said, Oh, well, you see, they were so nice. Fat, good animals. We decided we would bring them back and sacrifice them unto our God. And Samuel said to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken more than the fat of lambs. And he said, you have done foolishly and because you have rejected God from ruling over you, so God now has rejected you from ruling over his people and the kingdom is going to be taken away from you. Because of his disobedience, not utterly destroying Amalek, saving Agag alive. Now, here, interestingly enough, this fellow Haman, who several years later, some 600 years or so later, Haman now is seeking to exterminate the Jews. Now, why would God make, first of all, such a horrible kind of a command to utterly destroy them all? Looking at the picture in Samuel, it seems like maybe God is very cruel in his demand. Yet, because God can look down the road and see what lies in the future, he realized that if he didn't destroy them all, there would arise one day one of the descendants that would seek to destroy all of God's people. Had Saul been obedient to God, Haman would have never existed. And his edict and his attempt to destroy God's people would have never been. God could see that far in advance. But when you get into the type, it becomes even more obvious because Amalek is a type of our flesh, the flesh life, living after the flesh. And God has ordered that our flesh be put to death. If ye by the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, then ye shall live. Know ye not that your old man was crucified with Christ? God does not have any 
program of reform for your flesh. Paul said, I know in me that is in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. And God has ordered the complete extermination of the flesh. Not to live after the flesh, not to walk after the flesh, but to reckon that old man, the old nature, to be dead and to give no place to the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And God has provided that through the cross of Jesus Christ, I might be able to reckon my old man to be dead with Christ. As Paul wrote, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The truth is this. God has ordered your flesh to be put to death, crucified, reckon it to be dead. Give no place for it. If you, as Saul, fail to obey the command of God and seek making, and you continue to make provisions for your flesh, just continue to live after the flesh, or, or you allow an area, well, that's just a little area where I'm indulging my flesh, you can be sure that your incomplete obedience to God's command of the destruction of the flesh will come back some day to destroy you and to destroy your spiritual walk in life. We are to make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its desires, its lust. We are to walk after the Spirit. We're to live after the Spirit, making no provisions for the flesh. So here... Saul's disobedience, allowing the flesh to still remain, is now coming back to haunt his descendants years later as Haman the Agagite was placed in this position of prominence by Ahasuerus. And the command given that whenever he walks by, everybody should bow and do him obeisance. But this Mordecai refused to do it. Now, the Jews took very literally the law of God, that you're not to bow down and do reverence to any graven image or any likeness. And, and Mordecai was carrying that one step further he wasn't going to bow to any man. He would only bow to God, only bow his knee before God. He would only show that kind of reverence to God. And so those that were standing around said, hey, man, how come you're not bowing? You know, it's the law. And he just would say, I'm a Jew. We don't bow to anybody. We only bow to God. And so someone called Haman's attention to it and they said, because they wanted to have a test case to see if, if the law would stand. And so they called Haman's attention to the fact that this Jew wouldn't bow. 
And so uh, Haman then took notice of it and he became extremely angry. And there is where he plotted to put to death all of the Jews, not just Mordecai. He was going to kill them all. And so seeking then the guidance of the spirits, they cast lots to see what would be the most appropriate month to carry out this edict. And so they cast purr. It fell on the 12th month, which is in the Jewish calendar, the month of March. And Haman said unto the king Ahasuerus, there is a certain people that are scattered abroad and dispersed among the people of all the provinces of your kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people, and neither do they keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's prophet to allow them to remain. And he said, if it pleases the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. Actually, he was offering here a bribe of about $19 million. Now, what he was planning to do is kill the Jews and confiscate all their goods, and so he was going to pay it with that. He was just going to rip them all off after he killed them. And so the king took off his ring that had the signet, and he gave it to Haman, and he said, make the proclamation and sign it, or put the signet on it. Uh, and let the post, the, the messengers, go out throughout all the provinces. Now, Darius is the Persian king who set up an excellent postal system throughout the Persian Empire. And uh, so go ahead and, and proclaim it throughout the empire that these people are to be put to death. On the 13th day of the 12th month. And so the letters were sent by the post throughout all the king's provinces to destroy and to kill and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children, women, in one day, even the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of March, to take the spoil of them for a prey. So go ahead and kill them and you can have whatever they have. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all the people that they should be ready against that day. And the post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan, the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth with ashes, and he went out into the midst of the city and he cried with a loud and bitter cry. And he even came before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate who was clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's commandment and decree had come, there was a great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and they told her and the queen was exceedingly grieved and she sent clothes to Mordecai and she said, take off that sackcloth, but he received it not. 
Then Esther called for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, who was appointed to attend her, and she gave him a commandment to go out and find out from Mordecai just what was going on. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai out in the streets, and Mordecai told him all that had happened unto him, the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him a copy of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it to Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king and make supplication unto him and to make a request before him for her people. So Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And again, Esther spoke to Hatak and said, go out and tell Mordecai all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who has not been called, there is one law, and that is to be put to death, except such as to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I've not been called to come into the king for 30 days. And so they went out and told Mordecai Esther's words. So Esther hears of the cousin of hers and is wailing and, and lying out there in, in sackcloth and ashes. And so she says, what's wrong? He sends back one of the copies of the decrees that has gone out and suggests that Esther go in to her husband. Now, can you imagine that kind of a, a relationship, husband and wife relationship? Uh, he hadn't called for her for 30 days, and if she just appears on the scene, she's put to death, unless he would raise the golden scepter towards her, and then she is spared. Quite a weird kind of a relationship, to say the truth, and so, she was hesitant to go in. And then Mordecai sent to her this message. Don't think within yourself that you're going to escape because you're in the king's house more than all of the Jews. For if you all together hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place but you and your father's house shall be destroyed. And who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Number one, don't think that just because you're in the palace, you're going to escape the king's edict. You're a Jew. It'll reach you there. Also, if you fail, here God is giving you the opportunity of being the instrument of saving the people, and if you fail, God will use someone else, but you'll be destroyed. You and your father's house will perish. God will bring deliverance. God's purposes are going to stand. God has to keep the Jews alive. Through whatever persecution and all they may go through, God has to preserve them. God will preserve them. Their enlargement and, and deliverance will arise from another quarter, but you're going to be destroyed with your family. And who knows? Maybe God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. 
All of these circumstances are not just coincidences. So often I hear people say, you know, the strangest coincidence happened to me. But coincidences really don't exist in the Christian vocabulary. God has his hand upon our lives, and he has a plan and a purpose for each thing that takes place. And many times what we look upon as great tragedies are really methods by which God is bringing certain things to us. I look back on my own life, and I can see how that the hand of God has been upon my life from the beginning. Now, I must confess there were many times in my life that I thought I was pretty well forsaken by God. I thought that God had forgotten me completely. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Esther on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Esther 3 through 4 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you. May you be filled with the power of His Holy Spirit. And may you indeed walk in love, that kind of love that comes from God, that overcomes every obstacle and barrier that is built up against it. May you truly love those that hate you and do good unto those that despitefully use you and thus truly demonstrate the traits and the qualities of the children of the kingdom. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I have a question for you. How would you like to go from Genesis to Revelation in one year using a daily Bible devotional? 
And what if this devotional was written by Pastor Chuck? Then I've got great news. Be one of the many thousands of readers who have enjoyed reading Wisdom for Today, a daily devotional that speaks volumes of wisdom to apply to your everyday life. Come alongside Pastor Chuck as he takes you on a journey from Genesis to Revelation, providing God's truth to answer your questions and discover how this might very well become your most beloved and cherished devotional ever. To order your copy of Wisdom for Today, a leather hardback, for yourself or for a loved one, please call The Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online for more information and to read a preview at thewordfortoday.org.